Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Fantastic. So third week, third week. Thanks for having me, guys. I love our pastors, eh? Such great guys. And uh, Dan's okay too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've um, been on a journey with this whole topic of formation. Uh, it's been a few years and uh, you know, I just feel like I've been learning every day how God wants to develop us, myself mainly, um, because often, not often, nearly every time I preach, I'm preaching to myself before I'm preaching to you. And I seem to learn more out of stuff as I preach it and feel sometimes more inadequate to preach it because I realise just how much I need it. So then I go, well, if I need it, everybody might need it. So let me share what God's been doing. And uh, today, so we're looking at the butterfly effect. And I love the idea of the butterfly effect, right? I love the idea of formation. I love the idea of coming from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. That God takes something that's ugly and disgusting and weird looking and he can put it inside of a capsule and then the next moment you know there's this beauty beauty that came out of that ugliness there's this beauty that came out of that thing you want nothing to do nobody I met so many people they will not touch a caterpillar but man they'll put a butterfly on their hand and it's like do you realize it's the same thing but 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 we we find this idea of formation and today we're going to look at, we're going to kick start off in the idea of rhythms. Rhythms. But I'm not going to really talk to what rhythms you should establish, but rather where to start. Is that okay? Where do we start to get this rhythm off and running? So if you've got your Bibles coming to me, it will be on the screen. I don't know if you've got a message Bible here today, but this first scripture is from the message Bible. And it's the message Bible, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. It says, are you tired and worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. One of the first things you need to realise here is it says, walk with me. Walking implies journey but it implies a rhythm. You know when you go walking with someone, it's really weird if you're not walking in step with them? It's kind of like naturally we fall into the same step as the person next to us. See, do you realise that life is built on rhythms? You breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe in, you breathe out. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. There's day and there's night, Right? There's a process, there's rhythms in life that keep life moving in a direction. There are things about your life that are rhythms. When those rhythms get out of whack, chaos breaks out, right? So imagine if the sun didn't rise. Do you imagine the chaos around the world if we had no sun for it, you know, it didn't rise? Am I walking too far across? So life is built on rhythms. Rhythms, rhythms. Rhythms. Can I suggest to you today that the Christian life is built on rhythms? You walk to a rhythm as a Christian. 
If the rhythm is broken, there's chaos. Things aren't working out. And we all have things in our life where things aren't working out because we got out of rhythm. We got out of the, the, the process, the structure that God ordained for our life. And for some of us, God's saying, it's time to pull your head out of the sand because there's rhythms that are broken in your world that need repairing. And they're not going to change by ignoring them or making excuses for them, but you actually need to start confronting them. All right, so we'll talk about two things today a bit further down, confrontation and consecration. And they're going to be the two things we focus on, right? Confronting our weaknesses and consecrating them to God to bring change, to see his strength come into the situation. Does that sound good? Yeah? Fantastic. So what we're going to look at today is not so much the rhythm, but rather... What role does weakness play in the formation of my spiritual formation of my soul? Right, so we're going to look at weakness because I believe that God doesn't start the journey and process of formation in our life from our strength. He starts in the part that is our weakness. And actually God does his greatest work in our lives in our weakest moments. And so we need more of God in our weakness than we do in our strengths. It's a little bit like, um, look, some people's lives look a little bit like this. Let's flick up that screen of uh, SpongeBob. You miss leg day. But have you ever seen a guy that goes to the gym and he works out and he's muscly as, but he doesn't do leg day? And then he decides it would be a great idea to put some shorts on and go for a walk in public. All right, it's almost like the guy that's fully muscly and he's walking his dog, but his dog's a chihuahua. You go, come on, mate, something's not right here. So that should be a Rottweiler or something like that, but a chihuahua. Right? Something's missing. And, and, and some, I think some of us can look like this. I know I've looked like this at times, where I look like I've got it all together, but actually down below in, in my legs, I've missed leg day. I chose not to do leg day. I was talking to a girl in a training thing I did this week in the city, and uh, we were talking about leg day, and she goes, I hate leg day. It's the worst. I try to avoid it. And you know, there are things about our Christian life that we hate to confront, yeah. right? Because it's just too hard. It's too much work. And it can be anything, right? It can, it can be anything. But for you, that's your leg day. But could I suggest to you that if you don't confront and work on those things that are weak, you are limiting your ability to grow in Christ. Why? Why don't you bring up the next screen? Because your life looks a little bit, and my life looks a little bit like this. God doesn't start. This is a bucket, if you're wondering what it is. And it's, a, it's, got, it's got pails, right, that make it up. God doesn't start working at the top. He works at the lowest point because that is the limitation. So if we think, well, I just want to work on the things I'm good at, Don't neglect those things, but the limitation to the ability to grow in Christ is going to be at the level of the lowest pale of your life. We can take that screen down there. So it is super important that we work on the things that are the most difficult to work on in our life, the things we don't want to confront, the things we don't want to admit, the things we've been excusing, 
right? The behaviours we've been excusing in our life because, well, it's just really hard. The attitudes we carry. Your marriage is not great. Your head is in the sand. It's time to pop it out and stop being an ostrich because your marriage is not going to change until you address the issue. doesn't matter how hard you pray. If you don't address the issue and don't use that to grow, right? Our weaknesses are opportunities to grow. That's what they are. And so you can have the greatest marriage in the world if you will address the issue. If you'll pull your head out of the sand and say, this is a problem, Lord, help me with it. So that's where we're going today. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's go from verse 7. So Paul, is in, he's writing this, this, uh, this passage. He's had these great revelations that he says are, you know, surpassing and great and unbelievable and all this stuff's going on. And, and then he comes into this moment where he starts to talk about a thorn in his side, right? It says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. How powerful is that? Here's, here's the... You know, he, here's the uh, Hulk Hogan, if you like. Some of you probably don't know who Hulk Hogan is, you younger guys. But the Hulk Hogan of the wrestling world, right? The Dwayne Johnson, if you're not sure who, who else might be. But he's, he's a heavy hitter, right, in the kingdom of God. Here's a guy that would be looked at and say, he's superhuman in the kingdom of God. There is Jesus, then there's Paul. And he says, I have a weakness. I have a weakness in my life that I came to Christ with and even pleaded with him to take it from me and his only answer to me was my grace is sufficient for you. So transformation starts in grace because this thing was never taken from Paul. Paul learnt to live above it. Paul learned to be stronger than it, not in his own ability and strength, but in the strength of Christ. Right? So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about my strength. It's not about my ability, but it's about Christ's strength working through me. I was sitting with a pastor up in the mountains recently. Um, I catch up with the pastors up there every fortnight. And uh, she was saying, last year, God gave me this word and he said to me, it's okay not to be strong. And she said, it was the weirdest word ever because I thought I needed to be strong to build God's kingdom. And she said, but God showed me that his grace is sufficient in my weakness. Actually, my weakness had become a blessing because God was able to move through it. And she said, I had such a different year because I accepted the thing in me that I thought was such a random word. Why would God tell me to be weak? to allow weakness to be a part of my life. 
And then, obviously, God showed her this passage and said, that my power is made perfect in weakness, not in strength. You don't need God to help you in the areas you're strong. Why? Because you're strong. You can carry that. But I tell you what, you need him to help us. We need him to help us in those spaces that are weak, in those spaces where we keep stumbling, where we keep falling over. You know, some areas of weakness could easily just be things like emotion, emotional intelligence. You just don't know yourself well enough to know how to deal with the emotions that are coming up. Maybe it's the emotional agility to deal with those emotions. I don't know. Maybe it's sin or temptation in your life. You just keep, can't help but click that button and look at that thing when no one else is around. You can't help but gossip about that person. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's a faith situation. You just feel like I don't have strong enough faith to deal with this current situation that's going on in my life. And can I tell you that it's okay to be weak? It's okay to have weaknesses in your life. It's not okay to be dominated by those weaknesses and have them control you. There's an issue if, if you're completely controlled and paralyzed by them. But the fact that there may be weaknesses in your life, it's okay. You may have an addiction and you may have to face that addiction every single day. But can I tell you that you're not facing it alone? That you have a saviour that's walking alongside you, giving you strength every single day. And for some of us with addictions, it's every single minute of every single day to say no. But he is going to continue to give you that strength. He's going to continue to pour it out into your life. Why? Because that is the God that we serve. That is who he is. It's not just something that he does. It's who he literally is in our life. And he, can, he has the power to keep you strong. But we must face the weaknesses of our world. In Joel 3.10 it says, Let the weak, or another version says, Let the weakling say that I am strong. Why? Because the weakling doesn't say he's strong out of his own strength because he has none. But he's strong because of who he's aligned with. He's strong because who is overseeing him. He's strong because of who he's in relationship. He's strong because Jesus is in his life and he knows that Jesus is going to show up every time. He knows that God has the power to get him through. He knows that God is all sufficient and that grace is, uh, faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. God has given you everything that you need to be effective in his kingdom. He's given you what you need to overcome. He's given what you need to keep living this life for him despite the weaknesses that are in our world. Every single one of us has a weakness. Every single one of us has a I don't like leg day part of our life. And I know God wants you to get free. I know he wants to heal you. I know he wants to do only what he can do. And for some of us, we want it instantly. For others, it's going to take a little bit longer. But that's okay. Why? Because in between that waiting time, he's giving us strength. He's empowering us. He's equipping us. So Paul says, I will boast all the more about my weakness so that his strength may rest on me. His power may rest on me. His power is his grace. There is so much grace for you in Christ. 
The Bible says that when Jesus came, in John it says, when Jesus came, grace and truth came with him. He literally brought grace into our world. So the first thing I want to look at here is confrontation. For spiritual formation to start, there must first be confrontation of the weakness. This is where we need to pull our head out of the sand. We need to actually accept that there's a problem in our world, that there's a weakness. We have to actually acknowledge the problem just like Abraham did when he realised that it was impossible for him to have children. The plumbing just didn't work anymore. But yet he chose to believe God for a miracle despite the inability to make it happen himself. He would have never had a child in his own ability. It was only through the strength that God gave him. Now, I've met people that can't acknowledge a sickness in their life. I've met Christians that can't say the word of their sickness in fear of becoming aligned with that sickness. I can't say cancer. Because if I say cancer, I'm empowering that word in my life. Can I say to you that that's probably not 100% biblical? Just by saying a word is not aligning with it. Because alignment is not about our words, it's about our heart. And so I've met people that they will not share their illness with somebody. They won't tell the pastor that they've got a problem. But a guy in my church right now, I know he's sick, but he won't tell me. Why? I don't know. But he wants to keep it to himself. Thank God for gossips in the church, right? <laughs> he obviously told somebody. <laughs> but that's okay. I'll respect his space. That's okay. That's not an issue because I'll just keep praying for him. But, but the reality is, until we are willing to face the problem and admit that it's there, it's not going to change. I often think, how can God change a situation we won't even acknowledge ourselves? Because we don't believe it's a problem in the first place. We're ignoring it. We're excusing it. We're pushing it away. We're not sharing it. We're not confronting it. And then we say, God, change that thing, but I'm not going to acknowledge it's there. No, no, no. Acknowledge it. It's okay to acknowledge a weakness. The first step of strength is acknowledgement that there is a weak space in our life. Weakness, to be a weak person is to not want to acknowledge it and try and run away from it. But I wonder whether some of us could stop running today. I wonder if some of us could try a different approach and face the situation. I wonder what would happen if you just acknowledged and said, you know what, I'm going to confront this situation. There was a lady in the Bible at a well in John 4. Jesus comes along and he starts to talk to her. Let me just get to that page. I haven't got the page yet, it's all right. And he confronts her. It might come up on the screen, actually. He confronts her about her life, right? She's at the well, Jesus comes before her, and they start this conversation. 
The disciples have gone doing what they're doing. Here's Jesus. They're having a conversation. And it turns into, you know, like, she's like, well, when the Messiah comes, you know, everything will change, basically, she's saying. And, and Jesus starts to talk to her, and he starts to confront the sin in her life. And he tells her, yeah, you've had, you know, the guy you're currently with, not your husband. You've had more than, you know, a bunch of husbands. And he's confronting this thing in her life. She's left bare before Christ with a situation where she's having to confront a weakness in her world. Her weakness could be lust. It could be a, a number of things, right? It could be trauma from her childhood. Who knows what it was? But whatever it was shaped her into this woman that was looking for attention from men that maybe she didn't get from a father. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was causing this problem was causing her to stumble in the area of her sexuality and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And she was living a life that was not what God intended for her to live. And so she encounters Jesus, he speaks to her, and transformation takes place. Why? Because she was willing to allow the confrontation to take place. She didn't run away when Jesus started to talk about this stuff, but she actually listened and allowed him to do something in her world that she would never have been able to do herself. Right? She was an outcast in society. She was pushed out. She wasn't going to the well in the middle of the day because people liked her. She was going there because that was the only day at time they would allow her to go. They didn't want her to be near them. She was not a desirable person, but we see this transformation take place. And the next thing we see, she goes back into the town and people are getting saved because of her testimony of what Christ has done in and through her, not in her own strength, but in the strength that he gave her to be set free. And I'm telling you that if you're willing to confront the problem, God will give you the strength to overcome the problem. He'll give you the strength to walk through it. He'll give you the strength to walk above it and be stronger than it, even though it may linger and you may continue to struggle with it a little bit along the way. Because this is what God does. We have to be willing to confront, to confront the weakness so we can see the breakthrough. Her encounter with Jesus gave her the strength to live above her weakness. And this is exactly what Paul's saying in this scripture in Corinthians. I don't have the strength. Well, what was his weakness? It doesn't matter. It's what the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't really make it clear. He just goes, I've got a weakness. And I like the fact that it's not very clear. Why? Because we all have all different types of weaknesses. If, they, if, 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 the, if, if, if it said Paul had a weakness with his vision, and then it would only just be for all the people who were wearing glasses in the room. Right? But it doesn't. So we're able to go, well then, if God can do it for him, just maybe he can do it for me but am I willing to confront it? Because it's not going to change if I don't face it. The second thing is this, consecration. Consecration. In Mark 9, 24, where are we? We find a story about a man who's got a demon-possessed son. This man brings his son to the disciples to be delivered, but he goes on to say that the disciples couldn't do it. Why? Who knows? But for some reason, 
There is a leaning towards maybe it was around fasting and prayer and other scriptures you read. But the reality is they couldn't make it happen. So this man brings his son to Jesus in desperation, hoping that something could take place in his world. Let's just read a bit of scripture from verse 20. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. And he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has, this been, has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him in the fire and water uh, to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaims, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I don't think there's ever been any greater words spoken or penned than those words right there, that I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. It's a bit of an oxymoron, right? It's a bit of a weird kind of statement to say because he's saying, I have faith, but help me in the place where I don't have faith. How can the two coexist within us? How can faith and doubt live in the same space? But yet those words seem to describe me perfectly. I wonder for you. Those words seem to give voice to something I haven't been able to articulate. I do believe, Lord. But help me with this weakness in my life because I don't know if I actually do believe. It's a weird statement. But yet, there it is in Scripture. And every single one of us have possibly got a space in our life where we're exactly like that. I believe, but man, I'm struggling to believe this is going to change. I love God. I believe in God, I follow Jesus, I serve Jesus, I'm faithful to Jesus. But I don't know if my family member can be healed. We've prayed, we've tried, we've prayed again, they've been up on the altar again, they've had all the medications, they've done the surgeries. Can he really be healed? I don't know, Lord, help me in my unbelief. What's this guy uh, uh, describing here? He's describing a weakness in his life around his son, son's healing and deliverance. He brought his son to the disciples to get this thing dealt with and it didn't happen. Discouragement set in. But he had enough faith in him to come to Jesus. Even in, with some doubt, he still came to Jesus and said, Lord, help me. And you might just be feeling like that in your world right now. And maybe all it's going to take is a moment of consecration, a moment of confrontation and a moment of consecration. Consecration is to set something apart for God. What if we took that sin? What if we took that struggle? What if we took that illness? What if we took 
that battle that's raging on the inside, that depression, that anxiety? What if we took that and we consecrated it to God and said, Jesus, I'm giving it to you because I do believe, but I'm struggling to believe because I've been dealing with this for so long and I've tried so hard yet I haven't found the breakthrough. So Lord, I'm deciding now to bring it to you maybe again and maybe you've done this over and over again. But where in the Bible does it tell us to stop coming to Christ with our weaknesses? We have to remember this is not your lot in life. It's a current battle that you're facing that you've got to get through. And the way you'll get through it is by God giving you the strength to overcome it and walk above it. And, you know, it may be that you have an addiction and it may be a struggle. Can I say it's okay to struggle? It's okay. Just keep bringing it to Jesus. And every time you bring it to him, you get a little stronger and you bring him again and you get a little stronger and you may have fell over and fell off the wagon, but guess what? Get back up again. Why? Because you're just going to keep bringing it to Jesus and you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you're going to look five years from now, you're going to look back and go, holy moly, look how far I've come. You know, I said to someone the other week, they said, oh, you know, because obviously I went through a lot of depression and stuff and have had years of struggle with that. And someone said to me, like, you know, did you hate that, that moment in your life? And I said, yeah. And if you could go back, would you change that situation? And it's an interesting question because it was a, it's been a massive weakness in my life. And even to today, sometimes it still rears its head and can be a weakness. And I said, you know, to be honest, I don't think I would. And they looked at me. I said, listen, if I went back and changed everything in my past so that I didn't go through that situation, the breakdowns, the depression, the horrible thoughts, all the stuff that came with it, I would not be the person I am today. And I kind of like the Dave of today. I don't really, didn't really like the guy I was. Actually, I despised him. But I like who I am now. And if I had to go back through that situation so I could be this person, look, hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? So I'm talking from a position of hindsight. But I don't think I would not go through it again. I hated it and it was horrible. But, man, I feel like I'm such a better person and pastor now. I said that to my church last week with a little question mark, sort of. See what the response was, put the feelers out. <laughs> no one disagreed, so I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh, it lives back. Let's let the Holy Spirit move in the room, eh? Yeah, David penned these words in Psalms, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way within me. And lead me on the path of everlasting. 
just give it a bit of room for the Holy Spirit. I wonder if we could pray that prayer. I think that's the most powerful prayer in the Bible. I've heard others say, oh no, this one and this one in the New Testament. I think the greatest prayer we can pray to God is search my heart, Lord. What in me am I excusing? What in me have I got my head in the sand with? What am I ignoring? What am I not addressing? What is the weakness, Lord, you want to start this journey of formation in? But you ask that question knowing these words. My grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for you. There is a provision for you. God gives us a provision of faith, but he also gives us a provision of faith, uh, grace. And that weakness... That looks impossible to change. That weakness that you've tried and tried and tried to bring transformation to. You've read all the self-help books. You've gone to counselling. You've tried everything. But yet here you are, still battling. My grace is sufficient for you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.